You're listening to the Morning Brew with Stu Podcast, and here's your host, Stuart Brooking. And here we go. Welcome to the Morning Brew with Stu. As always, I'm your host, Stuart Brooking, and I believe he's making his return to the Morning Brew with Stu. That is the one, the only Ken. Welcome. You're from Competitive Hedge Sportscast and or Sports Podcast, shall I say, the betting podcast. And uh, yep. we're going to talk about some betting odds for the NFL this week, you know, and, and some for the season that people can still lay their money down on. But first of all, welcome back, my guy. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, man. I'm uh, I'm battling a little bit of an illness here, just coming back from uh, from Mexico with my wife. And so I'm a little tired, but I'm excited. We've got uh, a lot to get to. It's it is kind of weird to have NFL football on Christmas like we're going to this weekend, but I'm not complaining about it. I think it's going to be awesome. There's some great games there and should be a good weekend. Yeah, and for those of you who have money left from spending your Christmas gifts, you can always bet, and that's what Ken's here to help us with. But Ken, first, I want to start with this, man. Before we get into this week's best bets or, or any of this type of stuff, I listen to the SI Media podcast with Jimmy Trainer. I don't know if you know that podcast or not, but... In that podcast, he bets a lot. He's he calls himself a, a a degenerate gambler or whatever it's called. And one thing he talked about, and it's something I've heard repeated throughout Twitter and, and, and some other podcasts as well, is the under in the NFL has really hit this year and has been the the tendency to bet this year. Why do you think that is? And and what's been with the under hitting so much lately? Honestly, I think it's where the NFL starts and it's at the quarterback position. And whether it be guys like Justin Herbert getting hurt or not looking 100%, same with Joe Burrow. Um, Anthony Richardson's even an example with the Colts. I think a lot of people look and they say, oh, they're on their backup quarterback. Kirk Cousins is out. They're on their backup quarterback. Aaron Rodgers is out. They're on their backup quarterback. So the tendency is that those teams aren't going to perform because they just don't have the quarterback to put up points. And you can lean on the run game to an extent, but we know that this is a pass-first league now. And so I think that's why a lot of people have gone under. Last year, you would see a lot of over-under games where they get into the, the 50s, maybe the mid-50s, where you're thinking, wow, it's going to be an absolute shootout. This year, we're seeing more games in the 30s, low 40s. So I think it's just quarterback play is down a bit, partially due to injuries, partially just some guys haven't had great years. And so... Because of that, I think that's why we're seeing what we're seeing from a betting perspective. I think that's also across – I think, like you said, it's not just the ones who got injured. And there's a lot of backup quarterbacks playing this year. But guys like Josh Allen hasn't haven't necessarily played the best. Jalen Hurts has been up and down this year. You've seen guys like Patrick Mahomes not really put together some great football as well. So, yeah, you know, that was the one of the things I wanted to talk to you about because that's one thing that I think – is a tendency because a lot of people tend to bet the over, I feel like, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I do feel like people tend to bet the over. And so if you've bet the under a lot this year, you've benefited. Yeah. And I I think another thing that comes into it is people love the same game parlay. Now that's kind of one of the big betting tools that, that companies have. Well, they don't offer a lot of books don't offer things like under on touchdowns and things of that nature. So what happens is, Someone looks at a game on paper, like this This game is happening tonight, where this obviously goes out tomorrow, but we got Saints and Rams tonight. Well, if you look at a game like that, you think, wow, 
Kyron Williams has got to get in the end zone. Now it looks like the total the they zone. expect is forty five. It's over under forty five. Exactly, and but they're looking and they're saying, well. Kyron's got to get in the end zone and Alvin Kamara's due and Cooper Cup's due and Puka Nakua should get in the end zone and suddenly you're you're making a ticket that's got four guys getting in the end zone and all that it takes is one of them not to. So I think that's partially why people love to do the parlays now. Not a lot of people like to do one or two unit bets, which is what I typically do. I have my little parlays that I do. I throw five bucks to win 500 like everybody else does. But I also put my one unit forward on a game that I really like and it builds up slowly over time, but people don't do betting to build up a little bit over time. They're trying to hit. They love sending that betting slip to the group chat of all your buddies and saying, boom, just cashed a thousand bucks. Well, how many of those did you lose along the way too? that? That's the key with betting. So I think degenerate gambling, as you said, the podcast that you're referencing, that's, that's a great representation of probably what most sports bettors are. They don't care about a ticket betting 25 to win 50 bucks they want 25 to win a thousand so i think that's why a lot of people tend to bet overs they don't want to look at man this game it doesn't have two good offenses it's probably going to go under and that's why you see so many people that bet the overs all the time all right let's get into some of the odds for for this week's games this weekend's game uh we're recording this on thursday this will probably come out on friday so we will not be talking about the Saints-Rams game because you cannot bet that at the time that this comes out. You know why? Because the game's over. So we will move to Saturday, and the first game we have on tap for Saturday is the Bengals-Steelers. Uh, the spread is two and a half, and it's negative two and a half for the Bengals, plus two and a half for the Steelers. It looks like the total amount of points is 38. Are you taking the over-under on this one, Ken? Because I think it's going to be... I think it's going to be under, and I think if it does get to 38, it's because of the Bengals and the way that uh, uh, the new JB, Jake Browning, has been playing in Cincinnati. I think that you th- this line encapsulates exactly what I think it could be, which is 20-17 to 17 or 21-17, because we know all the time in the NFL, extra points matter, especially when you're betting over-unders, but... This is one of these tougher games to bet. And I think it's one that on the surface, a lot of people are going to look at Bengals minus two and a half. They're going to see the Mason Rudolph's in and they're going to say, wow, like they should, they should easily cover this. This Bengals team is much better, but Cincinnati on the road, they only cover half the time. Pittsburgh only covers half the time at home. Like it's a very difficult one to navigate here. And I tend to err on the side of taking Pittsburgh. I would take them with the points. I would potentially buy a half point just to get to that full field goal just so you can potentially push there. But, I mean, at the end of the day, when you look at this matchup, Cincinnati doesn't go in and win in Pittsburgh a lot. I mean, on the surface, yeah. I know that year-to-year is different. There's QB changes all the time. Burrow's only been there a couple of years. And prior to Rudolph or Pickett, it was Big Ben. But they've only won two of their last five times in Pittsburgh. So it's not a great track record going in there. I get really worried when you get slight division road favorite. That's just, to me, it's a trap line. If they were really confident in Cincinnati, I'd see four and a half here. But because we see two and a half, I think I'd take Pittsburgh with the points. And I agree. I do like the under. If you could find a way to buy a couple points with Pittsburgh, maybe buy a couple points up to like 40 and a half and take the under, then definitely do that. You can get some plus money there. But um, I would take Pittsburgh plus two and a half would be my favorite in this one. And then the second Saturday game or tomorrow game, shall I say, by the time this comes out, because this will be out on Friday, is the Bills and Chargers. 
It's a 12 and a half point spread, uh, negative 12 for the Bills, positive 12 for the Chargers. And the over-under is on 44 total points. I think they're probably leaning with like a 30 to 14 victory in favor of the Bills. Easton Stick didn't look great on Monday night. We saw uh, we saw Purdue legend uh, O'Connell hang up, you know, 112, it seemed like, on him at 63 total points. So I think this is probably the safe bet. I mean, I don't know if I'd bet this game at all, honestly, to be honest with you, Ken. Yeah, this is a difficult one to navigate, and it's one at this time of year. I think what people justify it as is, well, a team needs a win, so they're going to go in and they're going to roll them. But let's look at recent games for Buffalo, because this could be one that you potentially overlook, because as you just said... They just went and they've played the last three weeks. They played Dallas, they played Philly, and they played Kansas City with a bye week in between. Like, that's a tough grind, three straight games with that. And they know after this they're going to get New England and they're going to get Miami, so two crucial division games after that. This is one where I kind of like the Chargers. I know that they just fired their head coach. I mean, they basically just cleaned house. They're going to go with Easton Stick. No Keenan Allen this week. It just feels like a game where everyone's expecting Buffalo to win by 21, 28 points because of what we saw on Thursday night. But it is a little bit of additional time for the Chargers to get ready for this one as well. I don't know if I would bet this game either because I could see Buffalo being up 21-0 at the end of the first quarter because of how bad the Chargers looked last week. And then I'm like, damn it, my bet's dead. So (laughs) I don't know if I feel comfortable with a number here. I also don't feel comfortable taking an over-under. If I had to lean one, I would probably take the under because I'm banking on Easton Stick maybe not getting to the 14-point mark. And I'm just hoping that Buffalo kind of cruises to victory. But it's a gross one to bet. I don't know. I don't know if you particularly want to watch this game either. It, just because it's the only game on at that time, you'll probably have it on your TV. But I don't think that it's going to be a great one to watch. This one's actually on Peacock, so you have to pay Ooh. to watch this one as well. I don't think oh, anybody, you couldn't pay me to watch this. I don't think anybody's paying for Peacock to watch this. Not now, anyways. No, not now. All right, moving to Sunday, the one p.m. game on CBS. I believe, no, Fox, is the Colts and Falcons. The Colts are plus two and a half. The Falcons are negative or minus two and a half. You have the over under at 44 and a half, probably going with like a 24 to 20 looks like or or a little, maybe a little over in favor of the Colts. I would, I would assume for me, I would take the Colts, obviously, because I'm a Colts fan. But I also look at it and think, I think, you know, the Ravens do have a good defense. Um, and if, or the Ravens, the Falcons have a good defense. And if Gardner Minshew holds on the ball for longer than like half a second, it's a 50-50 opportunity usually for the defense. And that's it's going to be picked off for a big play. If they can get the run game going, I think that would be something that's something the Colts have struggled all year with is the run game. They're playing a real running back in B. John Robinson. If Arthur Smith uses him properly, it could be a scary one. I think you could you could benefit betting the Falcons in this one, but what are you what are you looking at and and you know what's your bet for this? So I actually have an interesting one for you. The Indianapolis Colts are the most valuable team to bet on this year. I don't know if you know that. So there's a couple of reasons why they are. So they're 10 and four on overs. So, I mean, that's going to happen when you're eighth in points and you're 26th in points against, right? You're going to get a lot of shootouts. I think the reason why you've seen so many overs with them, 
is Gardner Minshew. You don't know what you're going to get week to week. Like that Cleveland game where it was an absolute shootout and everyone's like, what the hell? I bet the under and it was dead at halftime. Like this is the game that I'm getting today. But they're also nine and five against the spread. And again, I think that comes back to the Minshew factor. So they've statistically been the most valuable team to bet on. If you bet the Colts spread and you bet the over on the Colts every single week, you'd be coming out really profitable this season. But when it comes to this game, I'm also biased and I'm biased on the Falcon side. I have them winning the division. I got them at plus 200 at the start of the year. So full disclosure, I'm very hopeful that they can come out and win this game. But again, this goes back to what I said about Buffalo, just because you need a game doesn't mean you're going to get it. Like, and that's the, this could be the case for both teams. I think if you're going to look at anything, you probably, you probably take the over just because of how valuable it is to bet a Colts over. As far as the spread goes here, I would say the Falcon season is all but over if they lose this game and the Colts are clinging on to that wild card spot. So when you've got two teams that need it as badly as each of them do, I don't love taking a side, which is why I would take the over because I think that they're going to want it so bad. And the beer man is back there playing quarterback for the Falcons and Taylor Heineken. Yeah. Heineken. Yeah. Not Heineken. Heineken's the beer. Heineken. <laughs> Taylor Heineken's back there playing for the for the Falcons. All right, moving on to the Packers Panthers game. Really no need to talk about this. I I think if you bet anything kind of against this, you're probably you're crazy. It's plus 5 for the Panthers, minus 5 for the Packers. We're looking at, you know, a 37 and a half point combined, you know, score. What do you think overall on, on this one? I mean, I think if you're going to bet anything, you're probably looking at Packers team total. Um, I don't know what it's at exactly right now. If I had to guess, it's probably around the 24 point range. Maybe it's 22, but that would would be that would be where I would lean. I know that they only put up 20 last week against Tampa. Baker Mayfield looked like Dan Marino out there on that defense, but I just don't see that happening with Bryce Young here. I don't want to give. I don't want to give the Panthers too much credit for winning nine to seven last week. It's their second <laughs> win of the whole year. That offense is still really bad outside of Adam Thielen. There is no weapons there. I just think that you bet the Packers team total and that would be the way that I would lean. And, you know, I'm critical of Jordan Love. I think that he'll he'll have a good day. If that's going to happen when you play the team that gives up the second most points in the league or third most points in the league. But I think that's the bet that you look at hoping that they go up and put 28 or 31 on the board. So that would be where I would lean. The next one's a really good game, and I wouldn't know kind of where to go with this. This is the CBS 1 o'clock game, probably the one I'll get in my area because I'm I'm, I'm in Indiana and it's close unless the Bears are playing on CBS and I'll get the Bears. But the Browns-Texans game. Now, for me, <laughs> if we're talking non-betting, I'm rooting for the Browns here because it, I, need, I need the Colts to make the, the playoffs. We're in it now. We're there now. Let's just keep it going. Let's get Cleveland and Joe Flacco. Go back to having the the 2012 Super Bowl run, Joe Flacco. Let's keep it up. Keep playing this well. Uh, For the the Browns, it's minus two and a half, plus two and a half. That's according to MGM. All these are according to MGM, by the way. Depending on what you got, could be different. You know, if you're doing DraftKings or or FanDuel, could be different odds. Uh, Texans are plus two and a half. And it's an over under 40 points. I, in this one, I'm not sure if CJ's playing or not. I, I don't know. I've read likely out. 
if he's out, then I'm taking the under. I don't think I don't think they reach forty if he's if he's out. But if they're if he was there, I would say this would be a shootout, and I would say it'd be it'd be over. But if CJ's not playing, I'm taking the under. I would probably go with the under with you as well. It's not even just CJ. So no Tank Dell. Nico yeah. Collins is questionable. Noah Brown's questionable. I don't know who the hell they're going to have as weapons is my big concern when it comes to uh, the Texans. And I mean, Dawson it's not Schultz, that's it, man. It's not as if Cleveland is, is awe inspiring. I mean, we get Joe Flacco versus Case Keenum. If this was 2016, I'd be pretty fired up for this one. But when you're looking at those two guys in there, I think we're looking at 17, 14, maybe 21, 14 type score line. I just don't think that there's a lot there. I think that Cleveland will be able to establish the run. That's going to be the way that they're going to have to do this. I know that the Texans' strength is their run defense, but you know that Jerome Ford, or, and if Kareem Hunt goes, like those guys are going to get the ball a ton. Flacco will air it out to Amari Cooper, David Njoku from time to time, but I just think that the under is the way to go. It, because of where it's at right now, If because CJ is likely out, I think that's why we see it at minus 2.5. I don't think that it's going to move much more than that. They don't want to go past a full field goal when you're looking at a total that low. Um, it's just not smart for Vegas to do that. So I think that's where I would lean as the under and maybe the Browns just because you can get two and a half. When we talk about a spread that is the full, a full field goal, it is this Lions-Vikings game also on – this one's on Sunday. Yeah, we're on Sunday now. Duh. We've been on Sunday yep. for a while since since the Colts. <laughs> I'm losing my mind, dude. All right. This one's a full three-point spread. A minus three for the Lions, plus three for the Vikings. And 47 total points. They're probably predicting a 24, 23, 20, you know, something like that. 27, 23 score. There's, I mean... You got Mullins playing quarterback for the Vikings. I think I'm taking the under, to be honest with you. I think okay. I think the Lions will carry their half. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not so sure the Vikings carry their part. I'm going to go with the under on this one. So I'm going to give you guys a website to go and check out before you place your bets. Action Network's a really good one. You go and look at the public betting. If you see anything above 70%, which I think that you will see with this game, I think that you're going to see everyone hammering Detroit minus three, and everything points to it for me. Minnesota have only covered two of their six home games. Detroit's covered five of their seven on the road. Like, they're very good on the road at going in and beating teams. That being said, like, we're talking about a field goal division favorite on the road, which I just mentioned the fact that Cincinnati was almost that with Pittsburgh. So, I like Detroit to win and cover. I know that it's a very square bet. I'm sure that it'll come back and bite me in the ass when Minnesota money line hits, but... <laughs> I just don't see a scenario. Yes, Nick Mullins is is not terrible, and Justin Jefferson should be playing this week, which is, I mean, as long as he doesn't get too many suicide passes thrown across the middle, then hopefully he can play the full <laughs> 60 minutes. But I'm hopeful that, that Justin, Justin Jefferson has a big game. I have him in fantasy. But, yeah, I would probably take Detroit minus three. I think they'll get David Montgomery in the end zone. He's a guy that hasn't gotten in the end zone in a little bit. Gibbs has been lethal. So is Laporta this year. So I just don't think that Minnesota's defense is going to hold up with all these weapons. And then moving on to the next one, we have the Commanders and the Jets. This one's a bore fest if you talk about <laughs> football. Uh, my boy Sammy Howe and the Commanders are plus three in the spread. 
The Jets are minus three. It is a total of over under 37 points. I think that's a little high in my opinion. I think they're giving too much credit to either one of these two teams. I'm going the under. I know I've gone under now three times in a row, but I think I think I'm going the under. I just don't see where the 37 total hits on this one. I think that they're erring on the side of caution. It largely has to do with, well, Zach Wilson scored 30 points randomly a couple weeks ago, and Sam Howell early in the year looked very promising. Yeah, But Sam Howell the last two weeks has averaged like 115 passing yards. To me, he has to perform well in this game if he's going to be considered a part of the commander's future because it has not looked good the past couple of weeks. I know that they haven't played the greatest opponents either. I mean, we're talking about the Rams. I mean, the Dolphins, I guess, we would consider an elite team. But again, that week to week, they, they can be really surprising. So I guess I would probably lean, I would take the commanders with the points because I don't have faith that Zach Wilson can cover a field goal even in a low-scoring <laughs> game. Like, I could see 16-14, the Jets win, but <laughs> they figure out a way to cover it. So no Aaron Rodgers this year. Um, not surprising when, you're on, when there's a 5-9 and nine team. Although I don't know why he's at practice and taking up a roster spot as he's been doing the last uh, couple of days, but I'll take the commanders with the points. I'll do it reluctantly. If I had to bet this game, I would personally stay away. And the next one we got is the Seahawks and the Titans. Personally, just because I don't like the Titans, I want them to keep loot. I want them to lose. <laughs> um, I had to root for them last week to beat the Texans and they failed because that's what the Titans do. But if we're talking about betting-wise, they're plus three right now, and the Seahawks are minus three, and the over-under is 41 and a half. I'm going to take the – I believe it's called push. I'm, I'm just going to think it, you're probably going to get close to about 41 and a half with these two yeah. teams. I think it will be 21-20, something along those lines. I think this is my upset pick of the week that I would just bet Titans money line. The last four weeks for Seattle were San Fran, Dallas, San Fran, Philly. They obviously didn't look great the three first three games, but then the Eagles last week, they pick up an emotional victory. That being said, it was it was a Monday night game. Now you're going on the road to Tennessee. Tennessee doesn't have a lot to play for. Like They're just kind of going out there and seeing what Will Levis has and who's going to be a part of that team moving forward because we know Derrick Henry isn't going to be so... I don't know. I'm interested in this game. I would probably just bet the Titans money line because I'm not a big believer in Seattle and the stretch that they've had has been very tough, but that would be where I would lean would just be taking plus 145 for, for a bit of an upset. Yeah, and I mean, here's the thing too. When you have Drew Locke playing quarterback for you, I'm not a Drew Locke guy, man, and then when you have Drew Locke playing quarterback for you, I would probably take the Titans too. The money line right now is one. Plus one forty five, so that's a good, uh, it's a good money line. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, <laughs> you don't know what you're gonna get week to week. I know that it's an inspiring victory last week, but let's not pretend like he looked good the the weeks prior. I don't think that he's uh, <laughs> or uh, the entire the entirety of his career. Let's yeah, not pretend exactly. like he's looking. All right, the division leading. This is a game between division leaders. Division leading. Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the division leading Jacksonville Jaguars playing head to head right now. Baker Mayfield on his redemption tour, as I called in the offseason, 
And then you've got the Trevor Lawrence-less, C.J. Befford rolling Jacksonville Jaguars. It is plus two and a half now for the Jags, minus two and a half for the Bucks, with an over-under of 41 and a half. And just like I did in the previous game, I think I'm going to take the push, probably because I don't see you. I don't see this being any higher than like 21-20. Okay. Well, I'm different. I like the over here. Um, the Jags on the road, they they cover the over very well. But that's with Trevor Lawrence. As far as I know, I haven't seen that he's officially out. I know that he has a concussion. He's obviously mispracticed. There's a likelihood that he's not going to get through it, but. Let's also not act like Tampa Bay's pass defense is great. They're the second worst in the league in yards per game. So I think even if you go to the backup, I think that they're going to find a way to put points on the board. Plus, Tampa's coming off a massive win last week. They just put up 34 on Green Bay. I think that Tampa's going to figure out a way to get to 28, maybe 31 points here at home. And I think that the Jags are going to find a way to go and get 14 or 17 out of it. So I'll uh, I'll take the over in this game. I think, you know what? I like that pick. The next one, though. You know what, actually? I wouldn't even bet it right now. The reason being, it's at 41 and a half because they're still holding out hope that Lawrence is going to go. I bet if you give it a day or two, it's going to be at 39 and a half or it's going to be at 40 and a half so you can get a point or two there. But because if Lawrence plays, I think that it goes over no matter what. Yeah. And it'll probably go up to 43 and a half. But even there, I still would play it. Anything below. 45 and a half, I would probably still play the over. So I would wait a day or two, see what happens with this practice situation on Friday, Saturday, and then roll from there. The next one is you got the Arizona Cardinals trying to not get the number, or maybe they are trying to get the number one overall pick. Who knows? Yeah. Versus the Chicago Bears, who, thanks to the Carolina Panthers, as of right now, had the number one overall pick. The Cardinals are plus four. The Bears are minus four. The money line for the Cardinals is plus 175, minus 210 for the Bears, and the over-under is 43 points. I'm going to take... I'm going to take the over in this one, and I'm going to say it's because I... This defense for Arizona is horrible, and I I think Justin Fields is going to have a day both through the air and on the ground with his legs. And so I think him single-handedly will put the Bears in a spot to where they score more than 20 points. They probably score about 28, I would assume, maybe 27. And that will, in my opinion, put them above the 43-point mark in this one. Yeah, this is an interesting one because Arizona is one of the worst rush defenses in the league, which I think bodes really well, not just for Fields, but Herbert and Foreman, whoever else is going to be in the backfield for Chicago. So. The thing that I hate is that it's minus four. Minus four is the worst betting line in the NFL because you don't get the field goal, but they don't have enough confidence to push it close to a touchdown. And that kind of puts you in no man's land. And I think it's Vegas, quite frankly, doesn't know what Chicago team they're going to get. And the same goes for Arizona. I mean, James Conner's not going to have a great day. He's going up against, shockingly, the best rush defense in the NFL in the Chicago Bears, which also doesn't bode well for Kyler. So I think on paper it points to, well, Chicago should be able to to win this game and cover, but they're also the Chicago Bears. So who's to say that they're even going to show up on Sunday? So 
I would agree. I would probably bet the over. I would bet a rushing score for Fields. I would maybe even, I know that Kyler is going up against a great rush defense, but I think he could scramble out and maybe run one in himself. So maybe a little, a little same game parlay, get both QBs in the end zone. That could be a fun one to watch on Sunday, but that would be where I would lean. The next one we got is the 425 game. I'm assuming this will be America's game of the week, probably, which is the Cowboys and the Dolphins. And this is plus zero both ways, according to MGM. Minus 110 money line, and the over-under is 50 points. So what are your thoughts on this one? So full disclosure, last week on CU Sunday, I said that Dallas was going to lose to Buffalo potentially by double digits. It felt like a massive letdown spot for them after having the a couple of emotional wins there. And now they get this Miami game, and man, I hate it. <laughs> I hate <laughs> when you see a, a pick em game. I think that Dallas, as great as their defense can be at times, we've also seen that they can give up a ton of yards which isn't great when you have Tyree Kill on the other side and Raheem Mostert and Devin A. Chain, like some of the fastest players in the league. So, and Mike McDaniel dialing up plays. Yeah, it's it's a dangerous offense. Um, the only way that Dallas wins this game is Parsons is going to have to prove that he's defensive player of the year. He's the favorite right now, betting-wise. But if you have a big game against Miami, I think it solidifies it. But if he struggles and, and Dallas loses this game, I think that you just – let Miles Garrett back into discussion, maybe TJ Watt back into the discussion. So if I'm betting anything in this game, I'm probably betting I'm probably betting the under. I, I okay. don't have faith that both offenses are going to be on fire here. Um, I think that one of them will struggle. It could be Dak because of how bad he looked last week. It could be Tua just because he can be a little bit inconsistent at times. But I think we're still going to get points. I think you're going to get 27-21. Like, it'll creep up on the over, but they'll just go just under at the end of the day. I will say the Dolphins have not played well versus, like, real teams. Like That's, playoff, that's my concern, which is also why I went under. The playoff caliber teams, they've not – I mean, they've not been able to and boat race them. Yeah, <laughs> same. So, maybe <laughs> – who knows? It may be three to three. To, we might get fight. 17 14, and everyone who bet the over with like Tyreek to score and CD <laughs> Lamb to score and Pollard to score are all ripping up their tickets 10 minutes in. But <laughs> all right, you got the unwatchable New England Patriots versus the uh, Subway guy in <laughs> Russell Wilson, the guy who got a, a new rear end chewed by Sean Payton, which has been all the talk this week on every sports network. The Patriots are plus seven. It's a full touchdown score. They they have the Broncos favored, and it is plus two sixty in the money line, minus two three twenty for the Broncos, and it's a thirty four and a half point spread. I'm staying away from this one because I don't know, man. I I don't know. Like the Broncos to me are a team that you know through seven weeks I would have said this was a playoff team, but here lately, dude, they fall. They've fallen apart, you know, not so sure. And I'm not so sure the Western Kentucky quarterback and Bailey Zappi, not so sure uh, that guy knows how to score either. I watched him come in and play one play versus Indianapolis and throw a pick. So, hey, what can I say? But likely the, the Patriots at this point are just playing to get Drake May, and the Broncos at this point are still trying to hang on to the playoff spot. So what what are your thoughts on this game as far as the betting goes? So, did you see what QB they added to their roster this week? Which one? 
the Patriots? Yeah. Was it Malik Cunningham? It's it's CFL legend Nathan Rourke actually uh-huh. is now a New England Patriot. Uh-huh. Now, from keeping in mind, he was probably the best QB that the CFL's had since Doug Flutie was up here in Warren Moon. Like those typically QBs don't make it from the CFL to the NFL. So part of me is hoping that Denver really blows him out. Because then they're not going to turn to Bailey Zappi. They're not going to turn to Mac Jones. Maybe Nathan Rourke gets a shot to maybe start one of the last two weeks of the season. That's my hope. Now, when you're looking at... If you don't know, Ken's from Canada. He's a CFL fan. If you're looking at a seven-point at-home Denver spread, I just I can't get behind it. And I don't know what to bet in this game. Did you know that the New England Patriots don't even have a receiver with over 500 yards yet? They've got like four of them with 400 yards. None of them have crossed 500. So they don't have any weapons at all that they could consistently rely on. Probably Hunter Henry is their best option at this point. But I just can't get behind Denver minus seven. I I could see them blowing them out just because they're a mile high, but I don't love this. I would probably bet Denver's team total. Even that, you're probably looking at 21 points there, maybe 20 and a half. If you can get 20 and a half or lower, I would bet it because I think that they're going to score like 21 to 24 points. But that would be where I would be looking if I was betting this game because I have no faith in New England. I don't want to bet an under because I think they could give up 34 themselves. And I don't want to bet an over because they could put up zero. (laughs) And that's the Sunday night game, not on NBC, but on the NFL Network this week. So weird. Poor NFL Network. Well, who who wants to put them on NBC when you can put them on where most people can't find them, right? <laughs> exactly. All right. And then on Christmas, we have two games, two Monday night, actually three Monday night football games. We have a 1 p.m., a 4.30, and a 8.15. I'm excited for the 8.15 Monday night game. I think that yeah. might be the best. It might be the game of the year. But we got to focus on the 1 p.m., you got the Raiders who are coming off of hanging up 63 on the uh on the Chargers. You got the Chiefs at plus 10 for the uh for the Raiders, minus 10 for the Chiefs, and it's over under 41. I think they're giving too much credit for the Chiefs. I, I I'm gonna be honest with you, I haven't been impressed with the Chiefs this year. Feels like they're missing something. I don't know what it is, but they're missing that second gear. And I'm not saying they're gonna come in and lose by any means. Yeah. But to give them a plus 10, to me, is kind of generous, considering this has been a team that's been up and down. The Raiders don't have much on defense. I understand that. And offensively, they're not really that much either with Aiden O'Connell. But I will say, this could be one of those games where where the Tom Brady fans who, who hate Patrick Mahomes because Patrick Mahomes was thrown into the GOAT conversation by people like us, or... Or those Ravens fans who really want to hold on to the sole possession of first place are really rooting for the Chiefs to lose here. I think this this could be your moment where you're like, see, I told you they're frauds because this game to me is kind of a trap game. I don't I would take the under ten if you can take the under on the spread, that's what I would do. I don't know if you can. I'm not a betting guy, but I, I think it's gonna be less than ten and a half. I or ten points. I, I think it'd probably be closer to about I think it's probably going to be close to like 27-23, in my opinion. Okay, so I'm going to take the Chiefs to win and cover that. Um, I think that if Vegas truly had faith in the Raiders, then they would be looking at eight points, seven and a half, because nothing points to that Kansas City 
the way that they have played the last six weeks should have them as a 10 point favorite at home, which is exactly why I think I'm going to bet it because I think that you're going to see a ton of people betting the Raiders because they don't have a lot of faith in Mahomes in this offense. And I've been trying to map out what my Christmas day is going to look like because you got to juggle the NBA, you got to juggle the NFL. So it's perfect. You get Bucks and Knicks for about an hour, then I can watch the Chiefs blow them out in the first half. So then I can flip back to watch Golden State and Denver, the game that I'm really excited to watch on Christmas. And then it'll set up perfectly where that game's kind of teetering off and then we'll get Giants-Eagles after that. So I'm going to take the Chiefs to win. I would probably take their team total because you could get it at 24 and a half, 25.5. I think that they'll put up 35 in this game. I think this is their get-right spot heading into playoffs. The second Monday night game we got is the 430 games, the Giants-Eagles. MGM Vegas is given the Italian Paisan no credit. They're giving this guy no shot as the the odds are 13 and a half, plus 13 and a half for the Giants, minus 13 and a half for the Eagles, and the over under is 43 points. Man, I don't know, man. I see I'm not saying I've been impressed by Tommy DeVito because I don't I, I think the only hype is He's got a little charisma and he's Italian. I think that's the only reason people are talking about him. But I don't – 13 and a half seems like a lot. I feel like you don't see many 14-point games in the NFL. I feel like that's just a – that's a big number. 13 and a half is a big number for me. I And I don't think the Giants have played bad enough this year to warrant a 13 and a half point spread. Plus, I don't think the Eagles have been good enough to show you that they warrant a 13 and a half point like favorite over this team. So I would not take the 13 and a half. I think I would take like maybe the team's total points. And I think I would maybe take the over or under. I probably take the under on the 43, but I, yeah. I'm not so sure. I would stay away from the 13 and a half. So the thing that's concerning about Philly, when you're seeing that line of what is it? 42 and a half, 43 and a half. It's that they kill so much clock. They don't score quickly, and they're not going to in this game. The Giants are 31st in rushing defense. So I think that we're going to see a lot of six, seven, eight, nine-minute drives in this game where I think the Giants are going to be fortunate to have the ball for 25 minutes. I think that they're going to kill a ton of clock, which makes me want to take the under because I don't have faith. The Giants on the year only score 13.5 points per game. So they don't believe that they can score points in this game. They just scored six against the Saints, and that's a pretty subpar Saints defense. So do I think that the Italian Stalin maybe scores 10 points, maybe scores 13, fine. (laughs) But I just don't think that they're going to be in this game from the jump. If the Eagles get the ball first, they're going to march down the field because everyone's counting them out now. Everyone's talking about how San Fran is the number one team in the NFC, and now they're starting to say that Dallas is the number two team. And Philly's saying, we went to the Super Bowl last year. We still have a great roster top to bottom. We had a couple rough weeks, but now they're going to bury the Giants on Monday. And I just think that I would bet the under, but I think it's going to be like 31 to 10, 31 to 7. I don't think that it's close and they're going to have the ball a ton. If you're doing a same game parlay, bet a Jalen Hurts touchdown, throwing DeAndre Swift, maybe even throwing Kenneth Gainwell. I think that all three running back score, maybe even a Boston Scott or something. Like, I just think that they're going to run the ball down their throat. And then I think the Monday night game that everybody's looking for. Christmas is over. You're done visiting with the fam. You're coming home. You're cleaning up the wrapping paper, putting the leftovers away in the fridge. You sit down. You're going to watch potentially 
the Super Bowl matchup between the Ravens and the 49ers. The Ravens are five and a half point favorites as it's plus five and a half for the Ravens, minus three and a half for the 49ers. And the over under Ken is 47 points. I think I'm going to take the over. I know that's a lot to say that, you know, man, they're going to score more than 47, but there's a lot of firepower on this, uh, this 49ers offense between Debo and Christian McCaffrey and George Kittle. And then the Ravens on the other side, they also have a, uh, you know, they have OBJ, they have Zay Flowers, Lamar Jackson can do it. And somehow, some way they've, They've picked up guys out of grocery stores to play running back for them and yet are still finding ways to uh to run the ball pretty well so far this year. Um I'm taking I'm taking the over 47. Not by much, but I'm taking the over. This is probably the toughest game to bet this weekend. And quite frankly, I don't think you bet this game. You bet the futures that are going to come out of this game. I know that we're going to talk about futures in a few minutes, but I think when you're talking future bets, like Purdy's minus 200 to win MVP and Lamar's plus 450. And Lamar's only jumped up because Dak played poorly last week. I don't even think it's fair to say that Lamar has had a fantastic season. Quite frankly, no one has had a fantastic season outside of Brock Purdy, but why isn't Brock Purdy the lock to be the MVP? Because it's Brock Purdy. He was the last pick in the draft. So look, the ship has sailed. Purdy's minus 200 there's no point in betting his value there if you truly believe that the ravens are going to win you think that they're going to march in to san fran they're going to pick up a win that's going to vault lamar into the mvp true mvp discussion with two weeks to go so i think you bet lamar plus 450 to win mvp if you believe in baltimore to win this weekend so over under wise 46 and a half 47 depending on your book it's a lot of points it's a lot of points for teams that love to run the football as well. McCaffrey's going to run it a ton. Evo's going to have some end arounds. We're going to see a lot of Lamar Jackson and all the Ravens running backs that they have there. So I probably lean the under, but I, if I bet the under on anything, it would probably be the Ravens team total. Because if you don't believe that they're going to win this game, you believe that San Fran is truly the best team in the league, then I think it's because Lamar and the offense struggles. So that's where I would lean would be the under for uh, the Ravens team total, which I think would probably be right now around 21 and a half, 20. But that's where I'm at. Let's take a look now at some of the futures, as you talked about. I'm going to start with coach of the year. According to FanDuel right now, the, the, the guy who's leading the way is the guy of my Indianapolis Colts and Shane Steichen at plus 280. Man, dude, I... I don't listen. I like it. I kind of don't want him to win it because if you look at some of the other coaches, the Frank Reich was coach of the year, gone. <laughs> you look at Mike Vrabel, coach of the year, failed or failing right now. I don't know if I want him to win it, but you look at it. I think there's some other guys, like some guys who I would bet on to potentially win it just because of what they've done, especially one guy in particular. If he wins 11 games this year with what he's been through, I. He very well could win it, and that's Kevin Stefanski. He's plus 800 right now. You're telling me you you lose your star running back in Nick Chubb and you have to go with Kareem Hunt and Jerome Ford. 
Then you lose your starting quarterback in Deshaun Watson, and you're on your fourth starter of the year. You're sitting at nine and five, have a shot to make the playoffs, potentially going to win the division, and you you could win eleven games. All you got to do is win two more. For me, I would honestly bet Kevin Stefanski plus eight hundred as the uh, coach of the year. Okay, so I'm going to give you a, a bit of a mental exercise here to to help figure out where people should go with coach of the year. You ready? Okay, so yep. you believe that the Browns are going to be in the playoffs, correct? Yes. They're at nine and five right now. Okay, so that's one wild card spot gone. Do you believe that the Bengals have enough to get there? Potential. There, there's. I, I don't know. It depends on what's the rest of their schedule look like. I don't know what. Okay, the rest so they of got Steelers at Steelers at Chiefs home against the Browns. No. Okay, so then we've just taken Cincinnati out of it, right? Do you think that Buffalo has enough to get there? No. So Buffalo, their remaining schedule, they've got the Chargers this week, then they have the Patriots, then they have the Dolphins. Oh, so well, two and one takes them to ten and seven. Yes. Okay then. Okay. They have so, a shot. So, They'll be, they might be on the outside looking in, but they have a shot. Okay, so let let's say for now Cleveland's in, Buffalo's in. You said that the Bengals are out. Do you believe that any of the seven and seven teams, either the Steelers or Denver, could run the table to get into the playoffs? Probably not the Steelers because they have Denver. Rudolph. Now, Denver, in order to get in, they'd have to beat Patriots, Chargers, Raiders. So it is on the table for them to go 10 and seven and get in. So yeah. there's a team there. Then you've got your Colts and you've got your Texans there because you've got D'Amico Ryans is plus 310. Now, if you believe that Houston is going to get that final wild card spot, then I would bet Houston today. If you believe that Indy's actually going to get that last playoff spot, you bet Steichen today. If it's you don't a, believe it's that, a, it's a toss you don't up. Believe either of them are getting in. Let, let's say it's Buffalo. Let's say you think it's Denver and you think it's Cleveland, and all the other teams are on the outside looking in. I think you have to bet Dan Campbell at plus two thirty five because I think the schedule is there for Dan Campbell. My my thing is this: the Dan with Campbell like eleven or twelve. Wins. My. My argument against Dan Campbell is the expectations work... they should be this record. I think yes. that's the thing that hurts. And you have a guy, and you have a guy who has played in the Super Bowl, has been a top ten quarterback at one point in time in his career. You have a you have a stud running back in Jameer Gibbs. You have some studs at wide receiver. You have Sam Laporta who's played well. I I look at it and think. When Deshaun Watson went down, the Browns were supposed to be done, supposed like to be dead. finished. Yep. Yep. And there's a chance they could win 11 games with Kevin Stefanski. That's my argument as to why I think he should win it. I, if Shane Steichen doesn't win it, that's who it should be. Um, to answer your question about the Colts Texans, I've said this since the Colts had seven wins. When they had seven wins, I was looking at that final game, and I, I told my wife, I said, I think that final game of the year between the Colts and Texans is a win in your end game. I and okay. I still feel that way. I if the Texans and, and who's at home in that game? The Colts. That, that then I think I believe. might be the look. Because if it if it is the Colts at home, like we're saying that they're playing Atlanta this weekend, then they get the Raiders, then they get the Texans, and those last two games are at home. Raiders at home, Texans at home. So if you beat Atlanta this week. Steichen's odds are probably gone. Like, because at plus 235, that's what I have it at right now. I think you probably see it move closer to plus 150, maybe even closer to even money. 
because it's there for them to make the playoffs. And they're going to say, rookie QB went down, Gardner Minshew came in, and they figured out a way to get into the playoffs and eliminating good teams along the way. Because let's face it, if they're getting in, that means either Buffalo's not getting in, Denver's not getting in. Like, there's going to be a quality team on the outside looking in. So it is probably there for Steichen if they beat the Falcons this weekend. And if you truly believe that they're going to beat the Falcons, then you probably bet them to win Coach of the Year right now. And if he wins, I think if he – plus if he wins out, he's got 11 wins under his belt. And you got 11 wins with Gardner Minshew playing majority of games. Like and this was a team that won four games last year, had number four overall pick, and at times was dreadful to watch. And this was a this was a team that – has now got 11 wins. I, I just think that final game of the year will determine some things. If, yeah. if they can hold it off this week, uh, Houston, if they can, if they can win this week and they get CJ Stroud back, I, I truly do think that final game of the year between the Texans and the Colts is going to be a, a win in your end game because that yeah. they'll likely have the same record going into that game. Yeah, I would agree there. I, I do think that, because I, I think that one of Denver or Buffalo is going to slip. I just think that it has to happen. Um, I think it's more likely to be Denver because they have to win all three. Buffalo could potentially get in if they win two games, although they would need a lot of help to get in if they won two games. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. I think the reason why you would bet Dan Campbell is strictly thinking that if the playoff shakes out where all the teams that should get in do, then they're going to look at Dan Campbell probably sitting on 12 wins and they're going to say, wow, what a hell of a year. And it's the Detroit Lions. They're not supposed to win 12 yeah. games, even though the expectation was they're supposed to win the division. They're supposed to win it. They're pretty heavy favorites to win the division. But it's going to be the narrative is Detroit doesn't win football games, and they did this year. And I think that's the only reason why they would justify it. And plus, let's face it, everyone loves Dan Campbell. They love his double coffees or whatever the hell it was that he was doing on Hard Knocks where he was drinking like liters of coffee, and he's a – He's a player's coach and all this stuff. Like, I just think that they want him to win it. Rookie of the year. We don't really need to talk about it that much. I think so. I, fun I think it's CJ Stroud. The mm-hmm. next one's Puka Nakua and then Jameer Gibbs. And I don't know how Anthony Richardson's still the fourth name on this list because the guy hasn't played since week four. But no, I mean, Sam Laporta could be a sneaky one too. Offensive rookie and defensive rookie, I think, are both over. Like, they've actually taken Jalen Carter off of some books, and they've taken C.J. Stroud off of some books. I don't even think Stroud needs to play the rest of the year. I think everyone knows that he's a franchise quarterback, and he's proven it his rookie year. And luckily, I'm sitting on that Jalen Carter ticket. I bet him at the start of the year at plus 550 to win off defensive rookie of the year. So I'm happy about that one. I did on the offensive rookie front. I did go Bijan. I went a little bit of a square bet there just thinking that he was that good. And I didn't see a quarterback that had the CJ Stroud. Potential oh, he is that good by the way. And yeah, he is. And CJ Stroud is also that good. <laughs> by the way, was on that bandwagon when it wasn't cool to be on that bandwagon. Yeah. I'll keep plugging that <laughs> as long as I can. It's just Arthur Smith doesn't know how to use Bijan Robinson. No, he doesn't. So you're he right. Doesn't. He is that good. Arthur Smith just doesn't know how to use him. The, the amount of times in the red zone this year where he's not on the field and we're just watching Tyler Algier and they're throwing it up to like Jonu Smith and you're like, come on guys, like hand your best player of the ball on offense and let him do his thing. Like stop. I agree. Micah Parsons, the defensive player of the year favorite behind him. You have miles Garrett. Then you have. DJ. Yeah. Well, this one says 
I don't know what what the hell I'm looking at, but it says Trent Watt Jordan. I don't know oh, what. Oh, yeah. <laughs> TJ. <laughs> TJ Watt. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize his last name. Yeah. I didn't realize his middle name was Jordan. Doesn't make sense. It's so, TJ. And then you have Josh Allen and Darren Bland. Yeah. So when it came to defensive player of the year, I got Parsons. I know that plus 350 isn't great for a future bet. Quite frankly, if it's not more than five to one, maybe you don't take it. But when I saw that Cowboys defense after week one, I know that it was just the Giants, but just the way that they looked, I felt like the narrative had been stamped that Parsons was the guy. Now, mid-year, I jumped on TJ Watt at plus 365 just as a safety net here. The only ticket that I'm not holding out of the top three is Miles Garrett. <laughs> so, quite frankly, I need I need Cleveland to win, but I need him not to be the reason why they're winning because... <laughs> I mean, Parsons, he's got a tough matchup this week against a Miami team. If he doesn't have an impact, Miles Garrett has a big week. Like, those odds are going to flip really quickly. So, I mean, right now it should be Parsons. But week to week, like when you're this close to the end of the year and knowing that Dallas Dallas has everything that they have and Cleveland has everything that they don't, like, it's, it's surprising that Garrett's actually not even closer to Parsons because he's been awesome. And I sound like an idiot. Of course it's TJ. Like Trent, I was like, who, who's this Trent Jordan guy? It threw me off at first too, because you just see like Trent. Oh, TJ. Yeah. Yeah. And then the MVP odds, we talked about it a little bit. Brock Purdy's the favorite right now on Vegas insider. They don't have a picture of Brock Purdy. It's just a little like, you know, Voided but thing. Actually, before we get an MVP, we missed one. Offensive player of the year. Christian McCaffrey. Okay, so here's the thing. This would be my bet. Who's the favorite? So, so CMC is the favorite now. Heading into last week, it was Tyreek Hill's minus 200. And then I think CMC was like plus 150. Obviously, Tyreek has to sit out one game and CMC has the monster game that he had. So these odds can flip. Pretty quickly, and I just said yeah. it with Parsons and Garrett. I think it could happen this week too, because if Tyreek on the Dallas defense goes and puts up 150 yards, two touchdowns, he gets really close to 2,000 yards, and CMC just doesn't go crazy. Like he has an 80 yards, maybe a touchdown. Like the odds can flip really quickly. Now I'm sitting on Tyreek Hill, offensive player of the year, at 20 to one. I am. I will say right now, Christian McCaffrey and MVP odds is three spots ahead of Tyreek Hill. Yeah, and and I think that they're more likely to go CMC for MVP because they don't want to give it to Purdy, whereas with Miami, they see that Mostert's got like 20 touchdowns and they see that A-Chan's had the impact that he's had and they still have Waddle. So they're not thinking about Tyreek for MVP because there's never been a wide receiver for MVP. Now, there has been running backs for MVPs in the past. They're few and far between, but... There's nothing AP was the last CMC one in 2012. Did. Exactly. So there's nothing. But that here's the thing. CMC, what Go is ahead. CMC against Baltimore? He goes for 152 touchdowns. Purdy has like 180 yards and maybe one touchdown. What's the narrative going to be? It's not going to be that Brock Purdy beat the Baltimore Ravens. It's going to be that Christian McCaffrey had a phenomenal game. And who's the real MVP of the San Francisco team that's now sitting at 12 and three? And that's where the narrative could switch. And that's actually probably a good thing for me because if CMC wins MVP, they're not doing MVP and Offensive Player of the Year to McCaffrey. It's going to be one or the other. So 
He's either got to stink it up so he doesn't win Offensive Player of the Year, or he's got to be really good so he gets vaulted in the MVP discussion. Well, the thing is, right now it's Brock Purdy, Lamar Jackson, somehow Josh Allen, Dak Prescott, and then Christian McCaffrey. I think I, to me, if it ain't Brock or it's not Lamar, it's got to be Christian McCaffrey. I don't know how he's fifth on the list. I understand it's a quarterback award, but my eye test tells me just watching Josh Allen, he's not been the Josh Allen of no. years past. The eye test tells me watching Dak Prescott, he's not the Dak Prescott that a few years ago led the league in passing yards with 5,000 yards, but barely 20 touchdowns, and everybody jizzed their pants over. Like, it's it's the it, – to me, it's got to be CMC, yeah. Lamar, or Brock Purdy, in my opinion. They're, they're erring on the side of caution because if both QBs stink it up, maybe it's a low-scoring game and Dak comes out and has a massive game or – Josh Allen storms back with Buffalo and they make the playoffs. They're just doing that, I think, to try and entice people to bet on them. But to me, it's it's a three-person race. I agree. I think it's CMC, it's Purdy, and it's Lamar. And that's why this Sunday matters so much because if Lamar looks great and they beat San Fran and they go on to finish 14-3 and three or 13-4 and four with a win over San Fran, I think Lamar is going to be your MVP, not even because he's had a great Lamar year, but because it's a bit of a down year across the league. So... I think that's kind of where we're trending towards is it's either going to be him or it's going to be CMC lights it up and overtakes Purdy because no one really wants Brock Purdy to be the MVP. All right. Well, that's all, that's it, man. That's all of them. I mean, we could get into like special team of the year, all that stuff <laughs> no. that they do, but we don't want to do that. <laughs> hey, big thank you, man. I love having you on. It's the second time you've been on. Uh, before you go, plug your show, what you're working on, those different types of things. Yeah, I got a bunch of stuff coming in the new year. Um, Shooter Shoot Basketball Podcast is back. Um, we're going to be doing a New Year's resolutions episode probably on January 2nd or 3rd. You're going to go back to doing the rankings season. you used to do a long time ago? Top yeah, 100 players in the NBA? Yeah, I uh, I did have uh, an episode that came out in November, and I was planning on doing a full launch then. Then life just got a bit hectic. So full relaunch in the new year. Going to have some of that stuff. Then Competitive Hedge will be back. Probably be doing weekly episodes. Looking at stuff like NFL playoffs, we're going to head into college football as well, or college basketball, I should say. Um, so I'll be watching a lot of those betting lines. And then OTBN trivia is going to be back in the new year as well. January 2nd, Stu's a part of that with his partner, Omar. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So really looking forward to it. And Stu, thanks for having me on. I always appreciate people inviting me on shows and, and getting to chop it up. So I uh, appreciate you. Of course, man. Listen, we have this episode today. Um the last sports episode of the year, shall I say. Um, another episode that's going to come out for y'all to listen to on your drive to your Christmas locations over the weekend will be a, a Christmas movie draft with the one and the only Jeff Hunt. It was recorded quite, you know, about a week ago, but you know what? We, uh, I canned it and I'm saving it for your guys' drive to Christmas stuff. So this will be out. This is probably out today, Friday, when you're listening to this. And the movie, the Christmas movie draft with Jeff Hunt will be out on Saturday. Hey, a big thank you to everybody listening. Big thank you to Ken as well, coming back on the show. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. I wish you all the best. Have a good day, good night, good afternoon, whatever it is. Have a good one. And we will see you next week.